Read into the download. I can do it if I have to. It's been almost 20 years with the Heartbreakers. And if I only made records with the same people all the time, I'd never learn, I'd never grow. Rick Rubin kind of guided me back into a musical place where I feel very comfortable. But I never really did hire him. He just kept coming back. This time of my life, I feel much more comfortable being myself. Let me get to the point. There are things that are so indicative of him being in a time of change. I was just trying to write a collection of tunes, but when I hear it, I can see that it was working in the back of my mind somewhere. Be sure to tune in next week for our double albums that have failed. <laughs> Y'all ready? Flower scares him because he's not really sure why it's as good as it is. There's not any other album that so strongly reflected what his state of mind was. Wildflowers was very focused on songcraft and record craft, but there's also a freedom in it. Whatever record we were making, we show up and go for greatness. I had no control over what I wrote this time. You know, I didn't hold back anything. Somewhere you feel free. This week on the show, we welcome filmmaker Mary Wharton, director of the Tom Petty documentary, Somewhere You Feel Free. I spoke to Mary earlier this year when the film debuted at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Tom Petty, Somewhere You Feel Free was recently picked up by YouTube Originals and will begin streaming November the 11th. My name is Chris Kosach. I created this podcast to highlight the written and documented account of music. From band bios to artist memoirs and the occasional rock doc, too. We are the only show of its kind. This is Text, Prose, and Rock and Roll. Track 25, Tom Petty, Somewhere You Feel Free. And now, here's my conversation with Mary Wharton. Welcome, Mary. Man, you have been really busy with the interviews, <laughs> haven't you? Yes. You're just, you're just coming on the, the heels of another film, the Jimmy Carter Rock and Roll President. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, your latest is Tom Petty, Somewhere You Feel Free. Uh, there's definitely a story here behind the making of this film that you show a little bit, a little clip in the very, very beginning of the film, but you... Please tell us how you came to this film and how it came to be. Well, so the Tom Petty estate was putting together 
uh, a box set of about wildflowers, the record and all of the songs that were recorded at that time that didn't make it onto the original record. Um, and they started digging around to see what else they, they could find to, to be part of this box set. They found Tom's demo recordings and they found all these cool live recordings of the songs from wildflowers. And then they found this big uh, archive of film reels, 16 millimeter film reels. And when they started looking into it, they realized that it was footage of Tom and Rick Rubin and the band recording this record. And um, some of the, the footage had been released before. There was uh, the director, Martin Atkins, who shot uh, most of this material had, um, he had directed a concert film called 400 Days that was about the, the Wildflowers tour. And they used a, a little bit of the recording studio footage of Tom performing the song Wildflowers and, and a couple of other scenes in this concert film. Um, but there was four hours of additional material that had never been seen before. And so Adria Petty, who's Tom's daughter, who's kind of um, one of the main people in charge of, of running the estate, um, she was kind of instrumental in deciding that there should be a documentary made with this material. And they started trying to figure out uh, to find a director to put it together for them. And Adria and I knew each other. We had worked together about 20 something years ago. And, um, and she just called me up and asked if I was available and, and would I be interested in, in working on this? And I had, we had, had just um, had, the Jimmy Carter film was scheduled to be the opening night film of Tribeca Film Festival, which got canceled at the last minute because of the pandemic. A lot of the other festivals pivoted to becoming some kind of a virtual thing like South by Southwest is doing this year. But Tribeca was you know, one of the first South by Southwest last year was was the first to be canceled and then Tribeca shortly after that and they just canceled the whole thing. So we were kind of thrown for a loop of, you know, here was going to be the our launching of the film and it was just like the red carpet was ripped right out from underneath me <laughs> and um and I didn't know you know how I was going to be able to work again quite frankly I mean I knew eventually I would but in the moment it was like nobody was working everything was shut down and I get this call about an archival based project. And it just felt like a gift from the gods because I was like, oh, this is something I can do. And to, to be working, I was just so, so grateful to be able to have an opportunity to work from home. And I feel so lucky that that the that was an option for me. I know a lot of people don't have that option. And so I'm, I'm certainly grateful for that opportunity, but also to, to get out of the trap of, of just the constant doom scrolling that, you know, was, was 
sort of sending me into this spiral of despair um, and, and, and instead turn towards something positive and hopeful and, and beautiful. Uh, you know, this music is, is just achingly beautiful. And, and as many times as I've heard the song Wildflowers in, in the past eight months, it still brings me to tears every time I hear it. I'm on the verge of crying because it's so beautiful. Like I'll, I'll get emotional just talking about it sometimes, you know? So that, that really um, was an amazing opportunity for me to, to dive into this music. Definitely the best kind of phone calls to get, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it sounds like it was kind of all meant to be. And you you filmed a little bit, clearly, uh, during the pandemic. Everybody in the in this scene with, you know, Ben Montage and Mike Campbell, they're all very socially distant. Yeah. So thank <laughs> you, you for that. Six you feet can, apart. <laughs> measuring tape. You, you, can, <laughs> you can almost measure it. Um, yeah. That was a beautiful scene. Where was that shot? Oh, that was shot at, uh, Rick Rubin has a recording studio. It, it's like on a compound in Malibu. It's called Shangri-La. And, you know, it, it looks pretty fabulous. That, that was one of the biggest disappointments for me about this project was the fact that I couldn't physically be in a lot of the shooting locations. Cause they, you know, in California, I was, I was there by zoom, which is kind of like watching a football game on TV, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's like fun, but it's not game. as much fun as being there. Right, you know? right. You're in New York, I take it. Uh, well, right now, and and since the pandemic hit, I've escaped to my country house, which is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. But normally, I live in New York, and uh, I I miss New York every day. But when I go back, it's not the same because you know my friends are a lot of my friends aren't there anymore, and and my favorite restaurants have shut down, and you can't you know do as many things. So it's been very sad but well new york will be back it will be back it really will i've heard that from a few people now actually that it's it's just not the place that i used to live either mm -hmm. um uh, uh the wildflowers album getting back to that album it was very important to, to to tom petty wasn't it it was and you know he he spoke about it with a certain kind of reverence in in his later years and and he talked often about um wanting to to put it out as the full you know double album that they had originally um recorded and um i thought it was really interesting that you know rick rubin talked about it as having sort of a haunted quality uh to tom in the way that he spoke about it um it was it was really um a kind of a a, a creative high point for him, I think, where he gave himself permission to not worry about what the record company was going to want or about what his fans might want or about making hit songs 
or any of those things and, and just follow his muse, you know, follow his heart and believe in himself. And, and that's a thing that I think was such a, a revelation to me to learn that, you know, even someone as, you know, rich and famous and talented and creative as Tom Petty sometimes needed a reminder to believe in himself. And that is, is a, a, a big lesson, I think, that, you know, you kind of take for granted. I think especially, I don't know, as a woman, I feel like I, I tend to doubt myself more than men seem to doubt themselves. And I don't know if it's just that men are better at hiding their doubt, um, but I, I think it, it is always interesting to me to see like, oh, somebody like Tom Petty, he, he actually did, you know, experience pangs of doubt. Um, and, he's, and he's just like us, celebrities, yeah, they're just like, like us. us. <laughs> I think that's, what's one of the coolest things about, you know, this, this film is the opportunity to, to see Tom in a very human light, you know? Mm-hmm. At ben Montench, I think says in the film that it has a diary quality as well. Um, that, that there were things going on in his life that you can now hear in, in uh, 2020 vision, right? Um, can you explain what some of those things would have been? Well, a, a major thing was was his um, impending divorce. A lot of people thought that the the record that came after Wildflowers was was sort of known as Tom's divorce record because that was the one that that was released at the time that he was actually going through the divorce, um, but there were songs on wildflowers where he he's processing his feelings and it's like the seeds of his divorce are being planted already. Um, but he kind of disguised it a little bit in that it's not immediately obvious that he's talking about himself. Like when he says in wildflowers, you belong somewhere you feel free you know, that could be just a statement that you might, you know, an advice you might give to a young person who's finding their way in life, but he was actually giving himself permission to be where he felt free. And and it's creatively and personally. Um, and um, so that was, that was one of the things that was sort of, um, he, he was writing about himself for perhaps the first time. A lot of his previous work, um, his songs, he would invent characters or, or write songs about people that he knew. Um, and, and here he was at 40 years old, writing about what he was going through in his own life for really for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And and the, another thing that I guess I had never really realized, and, and leave it to Rick Rubin, of all people, mm-hmm. um, he wanted to get the sound 
of a human being playing an instrument. He didn't want to get the sound of an instrument uh, so much. That's amazing to me. This is really just a very human record. That's what it really, I mean, all music's, all music is human, but, but this had another level of it, of emotion. For sure. Um, And I think, you know, when you think about um, kind of what was going on in music during that time, um, there was a lot, you know, obviously hip hop was, was huge during mm-hmm. that period. Uh, electronic music was burgeoning. Uh, a lot of beat driven music was coming along. And then you had this other sort of countercurrent of, of grunge and, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and younger artists kind of getting back to that kind of roots of rock and roll sound. Mm-hmm. And so for Tom Petty to come along as this kind of more um, established, iconic artist and, and, you know, one who's known for electric guitars and and bangers and anthems and you know rock and roll kind of um you know classic rock and roll sound to to put that aside for a moment and return to you know an acoustic guitar um and it 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 was a, a departure for him. And it was, uh, I, I would say that it was kind of a statement uh, in, in that moment for someone like him to make a record like that. And I'm sure that if he had gone to his record label and said, I'm thinking about doing this, that, you know, chances are he would have gotten a lot of negative feedback. Um, but he was also, you know, in this moment, giving himself permission to just do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with things like songwriting, and it's similar in a way with, with filmmaking that like, sometimes when you describe a creative idea to someone, if they haven't heard it or seen it, they don't know if it's going to be good or not, and they might question it. But once you hear it and you go, oh, but that is that is actually beautiful. Of course, who would who would, you know, turn down wildflowers if you if you handed it to them? Anyone could could find something they would like in it, I would think, you know, right. Right. Absolutely. I, I think uh, here's an opinion. I want your opinion um, where where the heartbreakers were on uh, MCA and mm-hmm. produced by Jeff Lynn. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think was a facet of Tom Petty versus this stripped down version of him? In other words, were we on, on wildflowers? Do you think we were just seeing um, an older, wiser version of him? Or do you think we were seeing the real him? I think that Tom Petty was very real for his entire career. I don't think that Tom Petty ever faked it or phoned it in or or let anyone um, sort of tell him what to do. He was a fighter, you know? And, and, and realness was important to him. Authenticity was important to him. I think that the, the, the real departure of Wildflowers is that he was just in a different place in his life where he wanted 
to show a different side of himself. And I think that is something that probably could have only come through a certain amount of maturity, both a maturity as a, as a songwriter, you know, songwriting is a craft and you have to hone it and you get better and better. And, and I look at filmmaking the same way. I, I, I look at it as a craft that as a storyteller, I, I know that every film I make is probably a little bit better than the one I did before. Uh, at least I hope that I keep growing in that way, you know, and then I'm not just repeating myself. And I think that that's what Tom was very aware of is that he didn't want to just keep repeating himself. And, and there is a real tendency in the, the music business, but in, in other creative field, in, in the visual arts as well, where, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, just keep churning out those hits that sound just like those other hits that you did before, because everyone's going to like, they liked it before, they're going to buy it again. You know, like, that's kind of the mentality. And, and Tom Petty was just kind of like, nah, that's not how I roll, you know? <laughs> I didn't realize how hysterical he was. He yes. Was funny. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Had you, in your long career working at VH1, working for MTV, did you ever work with Tom Petty himself? I did. Um, very early in my career, I was an associate producer at VH1 and I got to work on a Tom Petty documentary and um, I w was brought to California for the shoot. It was the first time I'd ever been in Los Angeles and I was all starstruck and um, and it rained the entire time I was there. And I was very disappointed because I brought all the wrong clothes and no shoes that were good in the rain. <laughs> and it was one of those torrential rains where like the streets were two feet deep in water everywhere. And I'm like walking around in silly shoes. Um, but um, yeah, he, I met him. I have a picture still of myself. I was, I was probably about 25 and I had pink hair and um, I was wearing like a borrowed flannel shirt because I didn't even have, like I was envisioning going out to sunny California and I brought all these little sundresses, you know? Well, you know, when it rains here, it really does pour. I mean, so yeah, why would you? Why wouldn't you? But he was such a gentleman. I remember being impressed by how, um, how smart he was and 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 his his very um, Floridian way of he, he was sort of a southern gentleman and, and kind of a Renaissance man, you know, the the kind of guy who was very uh, polite and genteel and and witty and and wise. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right. Well, what's next for the film? It's at South by Southwest. It's the centerpiece headlining film, which we're very proud of that uh, positioning. It's, uh, I'm, I'm told it's the first time that they've ever given that time slot to a documentary. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's um, great. That's great. Well, Mary Wharton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.
And that's going to do it for this episode of Text Pros and Rock and Roll. The documentary Tom Petty, Somewhere You Feel Free, will be available on YouTube Originals beginning November the 11th. This week's liner notes coming at you in three, two, Text Pros and Rock and Roll was written and created by yours truly in association with GoTo Productions, Charlene Goto Producer. I'd like to thank my guest, Mary Wharton, South by Southwest, Katie Joe Ash, and all the folks at MPRM Communications, Inaudible Films, Warner Music Entertainment, and Warner Records. This interview first aired on our broadcast for KLBP Long Beach Public Radio. Please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. We are at Text Pros Rock and Roll or our website, TextProsRockandRoll.com. And as always, we do take requests. On behalf of producer Shar, I'm Chris Kosach. Thanks for listening. Rock on.